Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, the little show that could progress after dark, where we bring good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I am so glad to have you with us tonight. So glad to have our producers, Chris Hauselt, running this monster out of the South Carolina Bureau. The mighty Thea Harper, keeping this beast tamed out of the Brooklyn studio. And for the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you and taking your calls at 866-997-4748. We got some of our favorite people joining us on the show tonight. 866-997-GRIT. There's a lot, and I mean a lot, and I mean a lot to get to. Brothers and sisters, I have been saying this for a long time. You may never get to see Donald Trump in prison exactly, but don't worry. He's in prison right now. Now And he will be living in a prison of his own creation for the rest of his natural life, whether he's behind bars or not. Brothers and sisters, what a day, no matter what burden you are carrying, no matter what pain your heart holds, no matter the suffering you have to hide from the world every day. And I know you do. You had a better day than billionaire Donald Trump. But first, a lot of things happened today after two days of Republican Hunger Games. Congressman Tom Emmer became the Republican choice for House Speaker and then dropped out of the entire race four hours later because a bitter Donald Trump turned against him while sitting and steaming in a New York City courtroom. Georgia's state Supreme Court upheld a six-week abortion ban, sending challenges now back to the lower courts. Cue the Democratic ads. The Washington Post reports that the U.S. is preparing an evacuation contingency plan for hundreds of thousands of Americans in the Middle East should the violence there spread. And we just got some very late-breaking news. Richard Roundtree, the actor who broke ground with his amazing role in the Shaft movie franchise, passed away earlier this afternoon after a brief battle with pancreatic cancer. His family was at his bedside. He was 81 years old. God bless Richard Roundtree, and thank you for all the spectacular entertainment you gave us. We have joining us tonight the Reverend Barry Lynn, former executive director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, to talk both about the war in the Middle East and the skirmishes in our Congress. Lee Papa, the rude pundit, will be here in hour number two, slaying fools and saying very inappropriate things. And our comedy daddy, Keith Price, brings it all home in hour number three. Today is the birthday of our friend F. Murray Abraham and our friend Mike Papantonio. It's the birthday of Drake and Kevin Klein and Bill Wyman turns 87 years young today. Let's do a show. 
Guys, I'm so excited to bring you the trailer for our new movie. Uh, Jenna Ellis, Mark Meadows, Michael Cohen, Sidney Powell, and Ken Chesbro star in Merry Flipmas. It's time for the primetime Crump Slime. Cue the Trump crime blotter theme. And Jenna Ellis. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. Donnie was trying to cut everybody loose who might rat him out from the Lufthansa heist. But everybody else had other ideas. Trump's former lawyer Jenna Ellis made a surprise appearance at the Fulton County, Georgia courtroom to cop a plea deal in the election case. Was now obligated to testify against Donald Trump if Fonnie Willis asked her. Meanwhile, ABC News reported that same day that former Trump chief of staff Mark Boom Boom Meadows testified before a federal grand jury under a grant of immunity from special counsel Jack Smith. He would be obliged to testify against his own boss in a federal case. While all this was going on, Michael Cohen was testifying against Trump in his New York fraud trial. Look at him in the eye for the first time in five years. A trial that is not going his way. It was a nightmare come true for the four times indicted former president who had once said cooperating with prosecutors in exchange for leniency ought to be illegal. But they did it. They flipped like a light switch. They flipped like a flapjack. They flipped like a burger. They flipped like a crack house mattress. They flipped like a seizure active dolphin at Disney World. They had mastered the art of the deal. And those media clowns said for months that Trump wasn't hurt by the court cases against him. Those cable news types kept saying 91 charges had no impact on the 2024 race. But of the 18 criminal defendants in the Trump RICO case, four of them had already taken plea deals. Three of them had been Trump's campaign lawyers. Rudy Giuliani was so drunk it took two days to thaw him out for the autopsy. For the first time in his life, Trump didn't have people around him willing to take the fall for him and protect him. This was a bad day for the Don. Jenna Ellis said, if I knew then what I know now, well, I knew then what Jenna Ellis knows now, and I never even went to law school. Let's break it down, shall we? First, Jenna Ellis, you just heard, she was part of Trump's elite strike force team. These fascist grifters with no shame. And believe me, Jenna, for all of her talk of tabernacles, is a corrupt fascist. She's a grifter. She's a con artist herself, and she will say or do anything she needs to stay out of the big house. And she pled guilty today to a single count, aiding and abetting false statements and writings. Note, she was charged with violating the state's RICO Act and soliciting the violation of oath by a public officer. So this means she's going to be cooperating with prosecutors to go after Donald Trump and all those else who are higher up on the ladder. The Georgia prosecutors are working their way up the chain in this racketeering case that originally had 19 defendants. I'm telling you, friends, if I was Trump, I'd be really nervous. And if I was Giuliani, I'd be really drunk. Meanwhile, over in New York City, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's one-time loyal attorney, turned fiercest critic, and he's a friend of this show, full disclosure, he took the witness stand to testify against Trump in Tish James's 250 million civil fraud trial. 
And he pretty much told the judge under oath that Donald Trump ordered him to falsify financial documents. He was talking about Trump's habit of inflating and deflating his property values in ways to benefit his reputation and his tax bill. Michael Cohen, the man who paid off his boss's porn star, who went to three years in prison. He said that he pled guilty to federal campaign violations and misleading congressional testimony at the direction of, in concert with, and for the benefit of Mr. Trump. Michael Cohen waited a long time to give this testimony today. He said he lied to protect Trump. He said others were involved in creating the statement, including Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner and attorney Abby Lowell. That's right. He said Ivanka, and she has been subpoenaed to testify. Now, again, the Manhattan case, it's just a civil trial. At most, Donald Trump's going to lose a bunch of money, and his businesses will be shut down in New York. And by his business, I mean the business his father built. That's right. Donald Trump has now destroyed everything he inherited from his dad and from Barack Obama. It was a huge moment. I mean, he was Trump's fixer for 15 years. Michael Cohen was, was, was Trump's Michael Collins. And he testified about how his former boss kept defrauding banks and other financial institutions. He said, I was tasked by Mr. Trump to increase the total assets based on a number that he arbitrarily elected. And my responsibility, along with Alan Weisselberg primarily, was to reverse engineer those asset classes, increase those assets in order to achieve the number Mr. Trump had asked us to. And I'm sorry, I said Michael Collins. I should have said Michael Clayton, but you get the idea. Trump is screwed. His only now defense is to claim that Michael Cohen is a convicted liar. But he can't deny the facts. And then there's Mark. We have said for a long time on this show that Mark Meadows has probably already cut a deal. We've talked about it with guests. I talked about it on stage with Malcolm Nance the other night in L.A., We now know, ABC News reported, that former chief of staff, former Congressman Mark Meadows, was granted immunity. And he told special counsel he warned Donald Trump about his 2020 campaign lies. Mark Meadows is singing like a parakeet. Apparently, according to sources familiar with the proceedings, he has spoken with Jack Smith's team at least three times this year, including one time in front of a federal grand jury. Meadows' meetings were facilitated by, apparently, a historic immunity deal. And he told Jack Smith that he repeatedly told Donald Trump in the weeks following the 2020 election that the allegations of widespread voter fraud had no basis in reality. They were lies. Meadows said to investigators Trump was dishonest with the public and pushed a big lie. Obviously, we didn't win, is the quote attributed to Meadows, told under oath to Jack Smith's team. He told the prosecutors he agreed in the 2020 election was the most secure in American history. He told prosecutors he told Trump time and time again in the weeks after the election that the allegations of significant voting fraud were baseless. So now he testifies that he knew back then it wasn't stolen. The only problem is he was the one saying publicly it was stolen. He said it in his book. Let me quote our friend, former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh. I hope history destroys Mark Meadows. What a coward. What a gutless, feckless coward. He repeatedly parroted Trump's stolen election lies. He repeatedly looked the American people in the eye and said the election was stolen. He repeatedly stroked Trump's most dangerous behavior leading to January 6th. I I know it's stoked, but Joe said stroked, and I like that better. Even well after January 6th, he continued to lie. Only now, faced with a possible conviction, he comes clean. I hope history rips him a good one. Meadows said Trump was dishonest when he claimed victory on election night. 
And Trump has praised Meadows in the past as a special friend, as a top-tier chief of staff. So it's going to be a little harder for Donald Trump to say he's a liar and a fraud like everyone else Trump hired. Again, before the election even happened in 2020, Trump was casting doubts on it. He was saying that the process had no integrity, the results had no integrity. On election night, he was losing the key states, and he went on TV and said it was all a major fraud. And now his chief of staff, who pushed that lie relentlessly, will be testifying against Trump. Meadows didn't go the way Chesbro and Ellis and Powell went. He got immunity. This is one of the biggest developments in this case so far, my friends. This is why Meadows was so desperate to get his Fulton County case moved to the federal court, because he thought it would get him off the hook on those charges. But now, now, just imagine how many more people are going to feel like they can flip safely now that they know Meadows flipped a while ago and kept it relatively secret all this time. And here's the wacky part. Donald Trump had to sit in court today and listen to Michael Cohen testifying against him and calling him a cheat. And while he's in court, while he's in court, he gets his phone out and he does a posting. See, this is before he found out about Jenna Ellis's plea deal as he left the courthouse, before he got in his limo and found out Mark Meadows had testified against him to the grand jury on an immunity deal. Well, if you're having the worst day of your life, what do you do to blow off steam? How about derail the speakership of the U.S. House of Representatives while sitting in a courtroom for your civil fraud trial and the erosion of your business empire your daddy left you? We are still without a speaker or anyone close to it. The search continues, my friends, after the latest sure thing. Tom Emmer won the nine-person vote earlier today and promptly dropped out. I, 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 24 hours ago, Donald Trump told reporters he had always gotten along with Emmer and he said he was going to stay out of this race. Tom Emmer, who, who's the majority whip, who counts Republican votes, prevailed over the initial field in five rounds of voting this morning. He defeated Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana, the vice chair of the GOP conference, 117 to 97. Then Emmer requested to have an internal roll call to see if he could get 217 Republicans who would support him because he thought, OK, let's let's save myself the humiliation that Jim Jordan just went through three times in public, five times total. From a waste of time floor vote. Well, guess what? He had 26 Republicans vote against him, way beneath the 217 he needed to be Speaker. And Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene said they would oppose Emmer because of his past votes to certify the 2020 election and to protect same sex marriage and to avoid a government shutdown. He wasn't evil enough. He was for a couple of hours the Republican Speaker designate. But then Trump in the courtroom, in his chair, called him a rhino in a post on Truth Social, and they all left this mook to twist in the wind. Trump is being held responsible for Tom Emmer's speakership vote, failing before it even got started. Here's a clip from earlier today. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, you ever heard of him? He's showing optimism about Tom Emmer's chances at becoming House Speaker. What is the option now? There are 26 members who are against Tom Emmer. There is no yeah, path for him at the moment. He has what it. is the option for you guys? All right, let's not be so negative. Well, you've been three <laughs> weeks without a speaker, and you guys I know, but, but, I, but I, I went 15 rounds. He, he, he had the first round. He's, he's answering whatever questions somebody has. And, and I think some of the questions people have, they haven't given Tom the opportunity yet to even ask him that and have him answer that. And I, I actually think this is the best way to go about doing it. Let whoever has has a difference of opinion, come to the microphone, go directly to Tom and ask him the question and Tom can answer. Nice and clean, right? There you go. I mean, why would you ever doubt the word of Kevin McCarthy? 
Why would you doubt the judgment of Kevin McCarthy? Why would you doubt the predictions of Kevin McCarthy? And Matt Gates, who is the petulant frat bro who orchestrated this entire Michigas, he voted for Tom Emmer in the roll call vote today. Matt Gates was helping Tom Emmer behind the scenes. He was corralling votes for him. And then Donald Trump spoke up and called Emmer a rhino. And within seconds, it all fell apart. Tom Emmer, it looks like he's finished. It looks like he's finished. He was not a supporter. He was a rhino. And it looks like he's finished, but we'll see. Now, Matt Gates earlier today, was corralling votes for him, voted for him openly in the roll call vote, and within minutes said, oh, no, it's important to listen to the leader of our party. And just like that, Matt Gates flipped and backed Donald Trump's statement against Emmer, who he'd been campaigning for for days. These people, these people believe in nothing but power. That's all they care about. That's all they fight for. That's all they serve. Donald Trump said he would stay out of the speaker's race yesterday. But today, boom, said it would be a tragic mistake to elect him speaker. He wrote on a filth social, I have many wonderful friends wanting to be speaker of the house, and some are truly great warriors. I know Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. He never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA. Voting for a globalist rhino like Tom Emmer would be a tragic mistake. You guys know by now, never vote for a person who refers to himself in the third person. Uh, here's Marjorie Taylor Greene explaining why she felt Tom Emmer wasn't evil enough to get her vote. But I couldn't support him for Speaker of the House. Um, uh, his voting record is what turned me. He had voted against President Trump's ban on transgenders in the military. He voted for the Democrats' gay marriage bill that opens up uh, churches and other places for lawsuits if they, if they use their faith and stand against it. He was for the national popular vote. Um, at one time, and that's that's not a movement I can support. How much did Emmer's vote to certify the 2020 election have to do with the opposition against him? Well, it played a big role for me. I voted to object, um, and, and I don't think uh, that that was a fair election. I think there was a lot of election fraud. There you go. Now, again, here's how evil Tom Emmer is. He voted against the Violence Against Women Act. He voted against ensuring a right to contraception. Uh, he voted against improving red flag laws. He voted against banning high-capacity magazines. He voted against having a January 6th commission. He voted against capping insulin costs at 35 bucks. He voted against the infrastructure bill. He voted against banning wage discrimination based on gender. He signed an amicus brief to overturn the 2020 election. He's owned by Harlan Crow. He wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. He's anti-women's rights. He's anti-gun safety. And he supported the Texas lawsuit that tried to invalidate the 2020 election results in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. But he voted the night of January 6th to certify the election. And that was enough. And Trump stabbed him in the back hours after saying he was going to be neutral. So Republicans have decapitated themselves. They got rid of McCarthy while blocking Scalise, while neutron bombing uh, Jim Jordan, while blocking Emmer from ascending to the speakership. I, I, they keep saying maybe we should elevate Patrick McHenry. Yes, the poor guy's only 5'5". Five five. Please elevate him somewhere. He's got to wear Ron DeSantis' high heels. And now it's the moderates versus the liberals. Everything we cried about in the Democratic Party during the Hillary-Bernie war years. Well, now the moderate and establishment-minded Republicans are disgusted about the treatment of McCarthy and Scalise. They took it out on Jim Jordan. And today, Donald Trump had his right-wing fascist dude bro winged monkeys 
take it out on the moderates because Trump is trying to install an obedient surface speaker, someone who won't certify the 2024 election if Joe Biden wins it and will back up Donald Trump's lies about fraud. Donald Trump is puppet shopping. And when it comes to Republicans picking a speaker, it's like Republicans picking a health care plan or picking ways to help student loan debt or picking ways to help non-millionaires. There is no path forward. Quick break, and we'll be right back with the Reverend Barry Lynn and your calls. We're at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. At a time like this, when there's war overseas and nonstop skirmishes in our Capitol building, it's nice to remember uh, that we have a friend like Barry Lynn to call on. Reverend Lynn is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. He served as the executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State until he retired in 2017. He's a longtime activist and civil liberties lawyer, and he's offered his analysis to PBS NewsHour, The Today Show, Nightline, 60 Minutes, basically every reputable news program you can think of, even on The O'Reilly Factor. Uh, You have seen his writing in the L.A. Times, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, The Nation, and countless more. Reverend Barry's memoir is called Paid to Piss People Off. It comes in three volumes, Peace, Porn, and Prayer. Welcome back to the show, Reverend Barry Lynn. It's so nice to be back here. Welcome, Barry. I, yeah, Alexa, doing... stop. Somehow my Alexa I, went off. I don't know. Sorry about I, that. Well, I don't know. I have one, too. I hope they don't. This whole thing of what's happening in Washington in the House of Representatives, I just wanted to say publicly that I am open to the possibility of becoming Speaker of the House. Are As we there? know, the con- yeah, the Constitution does not require the Speaker of the House to be a member of the House of Representatives. And, you know, I'm throwing my hat out there. And if you've got some connections to some of those uh, right-wing Republicans, uh, 
pass this on to them. <laughs> you know, Barry, I, I, I actually would. I think you'd be an excellent candidate for it, uh, even on an interim basis, since it'll probably be Hakeem Jeffries' job in a little over a year from now. But, yeah. um, you know, at the same time, uh, I, I want to feel like, you know, Jim Jordan could still do the job if Mike Pence would do the right thing, you know? It, I, we're hearing more and more folks talk about, could it be someone from outside the, of the Congress? Could it be? Yeah. We've heard people say everyone from George W. Bush to Donald Trump. Um, I heard today Arnold Schwarzenegger's name is now in the mix. People saying he could really? do it. I, I, I can't see these people agreeing on a former Republican any more than they can agree on a current Republican, Barry. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I also think the Democrats, if, if and there's a lot of rumors about that today, if three or four Republican, uh, three or four Democrats want to support some Republican nominee, some moderate, but they ought to get really specific guarantees from them. They ought to be sure that there's going to be a continuing resolution vote and they ought to know the day that it's going to be. They ought to make sure that there's going to be a vote on Ukraine aid and a vote on Israel aid. They ought to demand these things because that's the only way any decent Democrat should participate in this clown show. And yet, I think you're right. And I think it would be the patriotic thing for Democrats to do. And yet, I don't think Republicans would go for it, Barry, because we keep hearing folks say, well, there's all these Republicans who live in districts that Biden won by over 10 points. I mean, there's there's like five or eight Republicans who represent districts that Biden won by double digits. Why can't they go over and vote with Democrats? We know why. Because Donald Trump would make sure they were primaried and persecuted for the rest of their lives. And I think for exactly. the same reason, they, this is the problem our Congress has. I've said it for years now. It, they, they, adult societies require cooperation with the other side of the aisle to help people. But these Republicans know they'll get primaried, just like so many have before, for compromise. If they do their job, they lose their job. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, of course, spent a lot of time, decades as a kind of lobbyist for progressive causes in Washington. And when I started doing this, one of the things that was different is that House members, for example, would bring their families to Washington to live. What did that mean? That meant their kids, if they were Democrats, they played with kids and went to school with kids who were Republicans. It made a very big difference because those one-on-one, let's get to know people, let's not, that made for the possibility of creative compromises. And there are no creative compromises that are being done now. It's, it was always tough, but at least there was this human connection between Republicans and Democrats, not across the board. There were crazies, of course, in the Republican Party for a long time. But it's, right. it's set a kind of standard of decency and decent interaction between human beings. And I think that's now gone. Most people don't even bring their families to Washington and they just live in isolation. They eat with the same people in the same party every night. And You're right. That that just leads to so much of this crap. It's so true. And I want to I want to read you a quote from earlier in the day because um, Rick Allen, a Republican congressman from Georgia, in the closed House GOP conference meeting today, he told Tom Emmer, 
that um, Tom Emmer didn't need to get right with him. Tom Emmer needed to get right with Jesus because Emmer supported gay marriage. Reverend Barry, once again, Republicans who say things like get right with Jesus have never clearly read the Jesus parts of the Bible. <laughs> At what point does Jesus drive the gay wedding cakes out of the temple? Where, where does Jesus tell you to discriminate against gay people or anyone else, Barry? Yeah, the answer is no place does that happen. And, you know, I, I remember I did a debate. It was a very contentious debate with some guy who uh, comes around and debates issues like abortion, gay rights with liberal ministers. And he invited me to do this thing on Long Island. And the thing was a, a total disaster um, in many ways. But one of the things I said was that in Jesus' time, when he was visited by rich men, those rich men often had little boys that they were fooling around with. He yeah. didn't criticize it. He knew this was going on and he'd That's let it. it alone. But, That's you know, it. the, yeah, it's the, the Bible has been used as a bastion of uh, terrible ideas from the beginning. You may remember a lawsuit two years, three years ago, involving the cake baker that you just mentioned. That's right. And one of the reasons that the cake baker won was because several people on the Human Rights Commission in the state of Colorado that made the determination initially that he couldn't discriminate against a person who wanted a gay cake made, or um, it wasn't even for a wedding, but a post-wedding. And they said, w one of the people on the commission said, they're trying to base this on religion. Religion has been used to discriminate on all kinds of things from the beginning of time. The Supreme Court cited that one sentence as the justification to prove there was anti-religious animus on the part of the Human Rights Commission of Colorado. It's not animus. It's simply telling the truth. It's kind of like I was... Um, I used to listen to talk radio with a transistor radio. Many of your listeners are, of course, on is, yeah. but under my pillow. And I mentioned this uh, in a speech I gave at the Kurt Vonnegut Museum recently. And there were preachers on that would be, there were very popular guests. They would explain why segregation was God's plan. And they would literally go back to Genesis and say, in Genesis, God separated the light from the darkness. That's and it. that was the justification. And it's the kind of craziness that you would like to think is gone, but it's not. There is this huge percentage of evangelical Christians who believe anything that people like Trump say, or these right-wing preachers say, and all of a sudden uh, they become justified in their positions, no matter how bizarre or anti-Jesus they really are. Well said, Reverend. We are at 866-997-4748. That's 866-997-GRIT. You know, you've also, Reverend Barry, been talking quite a bit about how the Hamas-Israel conflict is bringing out the worst in Republicans. Um, once again, we see there's always going to be a certain kind of public figure who uses chaos and bloodshed as a ladder, who doesn't really care about who's been hurt, but they're willing to exploit any kind of bloodshed if it helps them. And, you know, I mean, that's that was all Benghazi ever was. What has been yep. what, what have you noticed the most in the last couple of weeks during this 
horrible, destructive, and uh, deeply preventable bloodshed in the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, it's it, absolutely terrible. I have no idea what the ultimate solution for for this would be. You'd have to have Jared Kushner on to talk about that. But here's well, what I've noticed. Enough, Reverend. With, he's helped enough, Reverend. Jared's helped yeah. enough, but go ahead. Yes. Senator Cotton of Arkansas, this is an example of how crazy the justifications are for the positions that they take. He first said, since Hamas took over Gaza, it's now up to non-Hamas Palestinians to have done something to stop Hamas. Now, what is he talking about? Hamas doesn't have the firepower of Hezbollah, but it certainly has more weapons than the average Palestinian who is merely trying to live and has been living. And a lot of these people were not even born in in 2007 when Hamas took over uh, yep. Gaza. They, they were babies. They weren't even born. Now, all of a sudden, Cotton says, well, why didn't these people do something? Why didn't they go and fight fight Hamas if they didn't all agree with them. It's ludicrous. And then just yesterday, Donald Trump explains his new immigration policy, where he says that he's going to have an ideological screening for people who are allowed to enter the United States. And he said, if they don't like our religion, they are not getting in. If they don't like our religion, they're not getting in. What is a bigger, broader and clear violation of the separation of church and state than a statement like that and a policy like that? But it draws these people out in this complex world, complex relationships in the Middle East. All you have is Republicans saying stupid things like yeah. Cotton said and like the president just said again last night. Exactly. Look, I mean, I've always said Tom Cotton looks like a constipated pencil and um, <laughs> the lack of morality on this. You know, it's it's all just these Republicans trying to see how they can capitalize off it any way they can. Um, and then meanwhile, anyone who actually tries to speak, not anyone, but any, anyone, anyone who does try to speak with any kind of. I see. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because sure. there's a whole lot of people that I love uh, who are willing to cancel people on each side. And Reverend, I haven't yep. seen a, a, a world event that has divided Americans like no. this since the Iraq war and the Trump presidency. Um, and in this case, it's people on the left, I see, who are openly declaring war on each other. I, I don't have a problem saying that Hamas are Nazi gangster uh, terrorists. Right. I don't have a problem saying that Netanyahu is a corrupt gangster criminal thug. I think right. both the people of Palestine and the people of Israel deserve better leaders, leaders who are committed to a peaceful resolution to this conflict already, instead of just using the war and violence to solidify their own power. I, I think that I've said for a long time, Netanyahu and Hamas need each other, and they have been <laughs> locked in a codependent clinch. They absolutely have. And uh, I think... It's important, but you're absolutely right. I have never seen the vitriol. It's with actors fighting actors and, you know, liberal actor comedians are now fighting comedians over jokes that are being said about this or reactions to events. I've never seen anything like this. I don't even think the Iraq war had this kind of a split between people, decent people in general who happen to also be progressive thinkers. But you, you cannot talk at all 
about and even when someone like that little seven-year-old boy was killed in chicago by his landlord allegedly because he was muslim yeah. um it's unjustifiable but it's the kind of thing that happens when you have political leaders saying these bizarre and stupid things and trying to suggest that every single person who is palestinian in gaza is somehow associated bolstering hamas which oh, simply yeah. isn't true simply isn't and, true. and the republicans are saying it. marjorie taylor green said if you're pro-palestine you're pro-hamas it's just yep. it's it's all the racism nonsense that they said back when we were invading countries that never attacked us 20 years ago and earlier sure. today i want to i want to play this clip sure. u.n secretary general antonio guterres said that clear violations of humanitarian law are taking place in gaza and he added it was vital to be clear that war has rules starting with the fundamental principle of protecting civilians. And I want to point out, um, Israeli bombs have killed 704 Palestinians in the last 24 hours alone, uh, close to 6,000 since this war began last week. But it's, it's when the UN chief said the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum that all hell broke loose. Here's a very quick clip. Recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. But the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas, Yep. And those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. He condemned Hamas and their violence, but Israel's ambassador to the U.N. is now calling for his resignation. Right. Right. You can't say too much about anything that remotely seems to be pro-Palestinian. I mean, it, it, it is utterly disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. You don't have to oppose the Jewish people or the Jewish state or the existence of Israel to say that its leaders have made terrible judgments in the past and are continuing to make terrible judgments right now, today. Yeah, I mean, Netanyahu said in 2019, he, he propped up Hamas and said, if you wanna prevent a Palestinian independent state, yep. you have to support Hamas. He, he let this happen. He's told these folks for 20 years that he'll keep you safe. And now he ignored the warnings that came from Egypt. And this happened on his watch. He will face a reckoning that George W. Bush avoided facing when the worst terrorist attack on our shores occurred. Of course. And, and Bush was kind of flirting with Hamas for a long time also. Yeah. 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 Um, Reverend, I was I want to talk to you. You know, my, my mother in law is staying with me. And, and of course, as soon as she gets here, she gets covid. Um, so uh, we're we're having a nice quarantine oh, house geez. going. But, you know, um, Paxlovid is something that I didn't have when I had covid. Uh, nope. But it's going to go commercial later on this year. Right. It's going to be much more available to people later this year. If you can pay for it. Um, the estimate is that it costs thirteen dollars to produce a five day course of Paxlovid, $13. When it goes on the market, probably in December, it's going to be $1,300 for the same five-week course of antibacterial. I mean, 100 
times more expensive than what it costs to produce. There is no way, given that Paxlovid was also, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't simply created by one company. There's a lot of research that went into the creation of Paxlovid that was done with the federal, with federal funds as well. And uh, I, I said, I think I said five weeks, it, five days is the course of Paxlovid. $13 to make it, $1,300 to sell it starting in, in uh, December. It's insane. It's insane. It, it, the federal government's paying about 500 and some dollars for it because it is available for those of us on Medicare and Medicaid and through the VA. But it's going to be doubling that by the time the greedy pharmaceutical companies get their will when they start issuing it to real people unconnected to government support when it comes yeah. to December. There is nothing that I can ever figure out that's good about the pharmaceutical industry or the health insurance industry in this country. I mean, they are corrupt to the core. The only thing that I ever agreed with pharmaceutical companies about was when they wanted to advertise on television. And it's annoying to see these ads, you know, constantly on television during the news and every time else. But they have a right to do that. I mean, I'm a real First Amendment purist. And I think if you want to advertise a drug and you want to advertise it in an honest way, you should be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but but besides that, it pharmaceutical companies like tobacco companies lied through their teeth they they simply never tell the truth they never tell the truth they don't seem to care yes, what the health of the people are that they're treating but they sure want you to pay through the nose for it and that's what they're going to be allowed to do and as as you pointed out with in your introduction some of these republicans have even opposed the negotiating of prices between Medicare and pharmaceutical companies. There are a handful of drugs over the next three years, nothing happens quickly in Washington, but over the next three years, they're gonna get five or six drugs that will be um, cheaper because it's yeah. a negotiated price. But there are a lot of Republicans who oppose even that. Yeah. And just last week, we were celebrating that the big three pharma companies were finally coming to the table to negotiate for lower drug prices with Medicare. It seemed like such a corner yep. had been turned, but they're going to find way. And these companies already made so much bank off of COVID. They made of so course. much money off the death of over a million Americans. And it's yep. never enough, is it, Rev? It's never enough. Never, never enough. When you're greedy, you're greedy. And when you're greedy, you want to be greedier. And I'm afraid that's what the pharmaceutical industry in this country is all about. Well, then let's talk about a real true Christian in our final moments together, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, yeah, Barry, I, I, I didn't even realize that that Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who <laughs> makes me ashamed to be a talentless Nepo baby, that she is now trying to ban certain words that she doesn't like because they're too respectful to transgender people. Yes, uh, this is just another culture war issue. She wants, in, instead of uh, talking about uh, birthing, uh, she wants to talk about mom birth. Mom is the word that she wants to be to have used in all of the Arkansas internal documents. Now, somebody <laughs> looked into whether they'd ever used NLB terms in 
any official documents. And they found one pamphlet that once used a phrase suggesting that there might be a transgender person. But yeah. this is, has nothing to do with the merits of this. I mean, a lot, even liberals come going to, well, why would you, why would you say a person menstruating? Preg pregnant, pregnant people. Pregnant, pregnant people. She said that's a woke anti-woman word, pregnant people. Right, right. right. But so even if you say, well, you know, women get pregnant, men don't get pregnant. This is some kind of a left wing attack on motherhood. To put this into a document, she did this by executive order. And, you know, she's doing this because her poll ratings Boom. are going south. They're going south and she wants to find something else to complain about, even though it's hardly a big issue within the government itself. And I mean, she they, also just she just ordered a $20,000 lectern and then used the money yeah. to go overseas. So there's corruption happening here. This is all a big uh, distraction by claiming a powerless is. minority in the state of Arkansas is persecuting women. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, is you know there's good and bad going on. I I I have a big gripe about Martin Scorsese. So he's making a three and a half hour movie called Killers of the Flower Moon. That's OK. But then he has the goal to say something like this. There are many people who watch live theater for three and a half hours. They are real actors on the stage. You can't get up and walk around. You give it that respect. Give cinema some respect. I went to a lot of Broadway plays. If there were a Broadway play over 90 minutes, it had this magical moment called an intermission. Sometimes <laughs> they even had two intermissions because people, including uh, people of my advanced age, we need to visit another little room in the middle of it. And I just think it's, it's an outrage for a person who makes, I love Scorsese's movies. I loved everyone, all of the ones, even, the, the ones that were only two and a half hours long. But to, to say this and to act like this is this is normal is crazy. I do think most people should know there's an app called Run P, which mm -hmm. tells you, gives you ideas about when to leave so you don't miss anything of importance. I, I recommend it highly. I got to say, when I was a kid, I saw Gandhi uh, down south, and that had an intermission. I remember yep. when Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet came out. It was the full text. It was four hours long, and that had yep. an intermission. Yes, so, it did. Yeah, it's not too inconceivable that cinemas <laughs> would do it. I guess, I guess the, the multiplex owners don't want to tack an extra 10 minutes to a movie's runtime, because that means they can have maybe one fewer show a day. <laughs> I'm sure that's got a lot to do with it. And it's a very uh, good you know, point. Yeah. But, you know, they're making... Taylor Swift's movie making an enormous amount of money. Taylor Swift told people that she wanted to see them dance. And now in theaters in New York City and Florida, people who just wanted to listen to the music are incredibly annoyed by all these Swifties dancing around in front of them, in front of the mm. screen. Mm. And, she, you know, you would think that maybe she would say, cool it. But... You know what, Barry? I, I, if, if, if that's the biggest problem America's have this week, then we are a safe and grateful nation. Oh, we are. We are. And I love Taylor Swift's music. Reverend, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep oh, up with all you're doing? Uh, BarryWLynn.com. It's got some new uh, podcasts based on, you know, about my book, Paid to Peace People Off. And uh, that's probably the best way to get information about what I'm doing in the future. 
Reverend Barry, thank you so much for joining us as always. It's always a pleasure. You class up a room very nicely. If you've been waiting on hold, we have to take another break. As soon as we get back, we'll be getting to your calls. Later in the next hour, the Rude Pundit comes here to say rude things. Don't go away. This is Progress. This just in, another bombshell about Biden turns out to be nothing. Republicans said they had covered a direct payment to Biden, linking him to his family's foreign business deals. Turns out the payment they're talking about came from Joe Biden's brother, James, not a Ukrainian oligarch or a Chinese billionaire. Lee, they're the gang that couldn't smear straight. No, no. And was there any doubt that that this was all bullshit? I mean, except in the most fevered minds of the fucked up swamp that they that that the MAGA <laughs> live in. Yeah. Go after him for uh, whitewater real estate. Go after him for that. Um, let's go to the phones really quick. Uh, Stephen from Kentucky is on the line. Stephen, you get to be on with the Rude Pundit. Welcome. Hello. How are you this, uh, oh, this evening? <laughs> I love Stephen. I love Stephen. Hi, how are you? We're not as good as you are, Stephen. You sound like you're having a good evening so far. Well, I'm trying. Let's just, let's just say that you do what you you need to do. I was calling a few of these offices today, uh, congressional offices, about something that really, and of course we hear about this often, but you know, David Pakman's show was talking about today, they were speculating, yes. a lot of these jurists are afraid of indicting Trump because they're afraid of what might happen from his supporters and that. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I just want to point out something that, you know, some people will make the argument, well, we can't sit there and indict him because of his Secret Service protection in prison. First of all, you know what? (laughs) Has it not dawned on these people that maybe you can take the son of a bitch's Secret Service away from him? The fact that he committed treason against this country? Why should my tax dollars or your tax dollars foot the bill for him? He has utter contempt for me because I voted against him. I heard what he said, and I made it a point to point this out, on Meet the Press. He went Mm -hmm. on television, and he stated that he was ready to end the votes at 10 p.m. when his votes came in. I'm going to tell you something. I remember exactly November of 2020, that day, because the pundits earlier that afternoon were saying that the votes that came in early would favor Trump. Right. And the absentee ballots would favor Biden as the night progresses on. Right. Then you factor absentee into that. You factor Americans living abroad into that. So right. he knew exactly what he was doing. And not only did he say that, he also stated that he was also trying to slow down the mail. Now, I voted absentee, yes, so that's when he run, he, he steps on my toes. At that I voted by mail time. as well. I voted by and, mail as well. You're exactly, exactly. right. Exactly. And I yes. tell you what, he incriminated himself as far as I'm concerned when he said this, so he can choke on his words as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? I don't give a damn. He, he can foot the bill for his own protection. Right Richard on. Nixon gave up his protection That's in 1984. Right. Holla Why back. this son of a bitch continue to reap the rewards for this? He has no compassion Word. for anybody but himself. So and do, he do you have a question? Have any compassion for himself, or he wouldn't go around looking and acting like a damn circus freak. With all okay. that orange shit all over his do you, face. Do you, do you have a question, Stephen, or, or, or shall I just let no, Lee that's respond? that's what I have to say. I'm sorry, okay. I don't have a question. I just wanted that's to get okay. off this L- off let me, let me give Let me give Rude Pundit a chance to respond, because okay. that, that was quite a monologue. That was beautiful. Lee? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was I great. give him a, t- a 10 for his passion and a, and a 10 for his facts. 
Yeah, I and and I I agree. I mean, you know, what are we paying prison guards for? You know, exactly. And, <laughs> and you know, and you know, don't I? We they we, they should treat Trump like Trump wanted cops and to treat to to treat people that you know, That's um, right? Raise a Long at, Island. At, at his, at his rallies. The other thing I would say about, you know, the thing about ballots that that were being mailed in is, you know, it wasn't just absentee ballots and people overseas. It was troops overseas that, right. that voted and were and, you know, their their ballots were counted in with those that were mailed in. So, well, you, you know, know, I wanted it, to say, you know, and I told them this, too, because uh, I know Representative Royce and Representative Kim, when I spoke with them this past week, they were going on about they voted for Jordan for unity. And I mentioned to them, I don't know what unity you're talking about. If you're talking about within your party, that's great. But I mentioned to them that next year they're going to get clobbered because right. they, guess what? Unity for their party doesn't amount to a damn uh, bit of thing right now Amen. because of the fact that we have people in this country. I, there's Republicans that hate this man. My mother and my grandmother are two well-educated uh, women in the suburbs that they keep talking about that they are losing, the Republicans are losing daily. My grandmother, last time she voted Democrat for president was in 1964. She voted wow. for Biden in 2020. And my mother, last time she voted for a Democrat was in 1980 with Jimmy Carter. She voted for right Biden on. in 2020. Stephen, thank you so they're tired of this nonsense. They are. I don't and blame many them. People are. And thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much for the call. Have a great evening. And Lee, Stephen makes a lot of great points, uh, which is one of the many reasons I love his calls. But, you know, when people talk about how Biden won the presidency and yet he lost seats in the House, to me, that always meant it wasn't clearly rigged. Uh, they didn't rig it so he'd win and lose right. seats in the House. Right. It meant that there are Republicans who voted for Biden over Trump and then right. voted R down the rest of the ballot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to 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 add on to what uh, to, to what Stephen's saying, my my stepfather, you know, his final the final election he voted for, he was somebody that voted mostly Republican his whole life, voted for Biden, couldn't couldn't it's couldn't stand Trump, couldn't absolutely couldn't stand Trump and didn't vote for Trump the first time, but voted for was it Ron Johnson in yeah. uh, oh, in, or- yeah. Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson. Yes. And yeah, no, not Ron Johnson. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, congratulations on the 20 year anniversary of the Rude Pundit blog. I know we talked about it before, but it's such a it's such a landmark. And um, before I let you go into the dark night, do you have any predictions you can make about the speaker's race other than the fact that this is making Vladimir Putin very happy? I think that I think that at some point somebody's going to reach out to the Democrats there's nothing they can, there's there there are there are there there is I, i'm going to stick to what i said there are there's this handful of republicans who honestly believe they need to get shit done and there are a lot of republicans more than a handful who know that a government shutdown is just going to hurt them exactly right lee you are the best in the game what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your many brilliant musings you can follow me on threads because I still can't get into Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, follow me on threads uh, at Rude Pundit. You can follow me on Facebook at Rude Pundit and our uh, The Rude Pundit on Facebook. And then you can uh, read the blog, rudepundit.blogspot.com and follow me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rude Pundit, starting at a buck a month and uh, and going up to, I don't know, I think I, I, think I actually have a $100 level that says i don't know what i can do i guess i can you know, 
if we go to a state where it's legal, I guess I can blow you, you know, if you give me <laughs> a month. So, Lee, thank you for staying up late with us tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, John. Have a great one. We'll be right back with your calls. Keith Price joins us in the next hour. This is Progress After Dark. Well, now that I've talked about how terrified the government is of World War III breaking out, let's get back to the fun. We're going to get to your calls, and it is now my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to welcome back to the broadcast comedian, actor, writer, podcaster extraordinaire Keith Price, the first openly gay black radio host at Sirius XM. He co-anchored the morning show on the late lamented breakthrough channel Outcue. Do your soul a favor and catch his super fun Broadway podcast, Keith Price's Curtain Call Comedy Daddy. Welcome back. Good to see you. Hey there. How you doing, Big Daddy? What's up? I just want you to know Sidney Powell was never my lawyer. Never my lawyer. Okay? <laughs> never. Never. When I told you she was my lawyer all those times and I said she was part of my great dream team, I didn't mean it. That's a hoax. That's the deep state. She's never my lawyer. <laughs> Can I just tell you that is the most hilarious thing ever? And what I find fascinating is, is that people are just like, well, I I I believe him. I believe him. I think he's not that person. I just I, I don't know how much more proof we need to have besides, you know, four trials in, you know, four different parts of the country mm-hmm. with the same all with the same person in the indictments and then actual lawyers who for some reason forgot that they were lawyers when they started this process are yeah, all right. jumping ship like rats, baby. They're jumping the I ship mean- like rats, baby. I mean, it's just crazy. Like three of his lawyers in one case alone have flipped in the last five days. And I mean, they have flipped like pancakes, Keith. This thing is start. I mean, I I don't know if you got to see that picture that was published today of Donald Trump sitting in the New York City courthouse listening to Michael Cohen's testimony. But if, if, if hate could be an image, I mean... Homeboy's not happy. I don't know if all the call girls in Florida are going to be able to make his blues go away. No, I sadly, you know, as much as I want to enjoy it, it's just I just know that we're still waiting to see what shoe is going to drop or what what magic trick he's going to pull out of his bag that's going to save him from any kind of prosecution. And, I, you know, again, if we would stop playing the I just can't believe that a former president of the United States would do X, Y and Z. I mean, that's just so absurd. Like if we can get past the absurdity of that conversation, because what we're seeing is that, yes, we had an ex-president who tried to steal an election and stage a coup and, you know, (laughs) did everything within his power to try to, you know, fortify his his pocketbook Mm -hmm. while he was in office. Like until we accept that that is truly what has happened, it's going to be really hard for other people to prove it. Now, I guess, again, if I look like Donald Trump, you know, or Donald Trump looked like, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton, this this would have been an open and shut case minutes ago, you know, the first right. inkling. But for some reason, we're still in this denial. And it's it's like that's the denial bridge that I think all these MAGAs are just this is where they're going to have to jump. These folks are going to have to just jump off this bridge and stop being stupid or, you know, keep following the, the, the what is it? The lemmings over the hill. 
Like, yeah, but, just but as we've going. seen, but as we've seen, I mean, Keith, we've we've seen this. You know, like they're all they're all staying on the MAGA train until the very last minute, right? They're all well, staying yeah. there until they know it's not safe anymore, and then they're cutting their plea deals. But they're they're hanging in as long as they can. And I've said for years now, this is not going to be a party until the day Rudy turns on Trump, and yeah. that day might be coming. They're bit, well after that. What's her name, Jenna? Jenna What's Ellis. her name today? Yeah, she was crying. I'm just, if I had only known that this would have been this way, I would have never done it. It's like, bitch, first of all, let's stop playing and pretending that you didn't know something shady was happening. Because I am so sorry. You know, all of the things that these people have been accused of doing, or at least now pleading guilty of doing, they knew full well what the hell they were doing. But they also are lawyers that are smart enough to know that it's the first one who squeals that gets the deal. So yeah. they are they are like I mean when you see them turning on this process knowing what you know about the law and knowing what they allegedly know about the law since they've all gone to school to study it that's it that's it they know what they're doing they're not it's like they're all of a sudden now it's like yeah this we need a deal thing is getting kind of a stale idea we we need to save our ass because if we don't we're going to keep going down and it's like you know again one one person that goes down is more room for the next person to go down and it's going to be it's like a domino effect because this is a rico case so like each time that they prove that somebody in the group is guilty (laughs) it just means that people in the rest of the group are going to start showing up either being guilty or you know all of a sudden we're going to start seeing people like um i just can't take it anymore yeah because they don't want to go to jail just look at the last week. I, and I've been saying for years, Donald Trump, I, I, again, my unpopular opinion, I don't think he'll ever go to jail, although mm-hmm. I believe that less. I believe it's more possible mm-hmm. now than I've ever thought. But I've, I've said he's he's already in prison. His prison is going to be his life for the rest of it. Yeah. And I mean, just look at the last five days, six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sidney Powell flips on him and mm-hmm. cooperates, takes the first deal. Ken Chesbro flips on him last Friday. Jenna Ellis flips on him today. We find out that Mark Meadows, his own chief of staff, his liar in chief through all of that stop the steal business, the guy that Mm -hmm. Don Jr. was texting all day on January 6th to get messages to his dad, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, means that Don Jr. doesn't have his dad's phone number. Just pointing that out. (laughs) And then today, Trump has to sit in court and see his former number one lawyer, his Michael Clayton fixer man, uh, Michael Cohen, just rat him out on every level possible. I mean... He's he's trying to use this advice of counsel defense and all of his counsel is bailing on him and hanging him out to dry. I, I don't know how much longer his plausible deniability of my lawyers. Every lawyer I ever hired is a liar is going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, every lawyer that never really worked for me is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's and they never worked for me. They ne- I don't know who they are. It's like, who does, you know, in the end, though. When it's all said and done and history looks at this moment, I think history is going to ask why it took us so long to come to whatever conclusions they're going to wind up coming to, even if it means him walking like we could have seen that a mile away happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but history history will also record that the majority of us voted against him twice and he was impeached mm -hmm. twice. Like history will record there was always at every phase a resistance to this mediocre fascism trying to take root Mm -hmm. in this country. Well, that's and that's. A good thing. I mean, the fact that he is mediocre and kind of dumb and, you know, is such a narcissist that he's made it possible for us to see what could happen when a smart person 
who's not so narcissistic and knows how yeah. to work a system and knows yep. how to keep his mouth shut in front of a fucking microphone. Like when we see that, that that's the one that we're going to have to watch out for. Keith, we have a lot of uh, listeners who want to weigh in on Let's all this. You ready to it. talk to some of our evil Let's army of the night? Do it. Let's welcome Petch, who is calling from California. Petch, hi, you're on Sirius XM Progress. Hey, John and Keith. Uh, yeah, I was just going to relay a story I had. Uh, Please. So I, I, I live just outside of Lake Tahoe in a super beautiful spot. Two years ago, we had the Caldor fire rip on through mm-hmm. here. Uh, burned everything. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I didn't burn my house. I was evacuated for 32 days. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. But uh, I'm lucky enough to run a rock climbing business. And the other day, uh, the Forest Service is uh, subcontracting out some tree fallers to drop all the burnt dead trees. You know, they're, they're all right. over the place. It's, right. It's, uh, so they dropped a tree over one of our trails, and there was a faller there just finishing up and I'm like hey thanks for your work dropped a tree over the one of our trails you know it's just like 100 feet up the trail maybe you could cut it really quick for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's like well, let me ask you this who'd you vote for <laughs> what and, uh, no know. yeah and like one of my clients just walked away I'm like uh, I voted for uh, Biden he's like well you can just take this hatchet and do it yourself I'm like oh so you voted for the insurrectionist Wow. Um, so, wow. So we kept our, uh, we had a conversation though. Uh, he, he was blaming the fire on the Democrats because of all their regulations. I'm like, well, we also have the biggest drought. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the Jewish, don't forget the Jewish space lasers too. That's and, right. And yeah. Democrats didn't rake the forest enough. Uh, he actually brought that up. I bet he, he did. He's like, oh. yeah, he, he's like, Trump was right. You know, he didn't mean the raking, but like managing it. You know, they had to cut everything off because of the spotted owls. I'm like, well, you know, I do like the spotted owls. And there's more than just that. It's been fire suppression. He's like, well, there's that. And then, uh, yeah. Anyway. But again, he, but again this, is a, this is a guy pretend, this is a guy like posing as a, as a public servant who didn't want to help you. Just like Donald Trump. Paid, who's getting exactly like Donald Trump. You know, getting paid by tax dollars to do this job. Yeah, uh, but we actually had a decent conversation back and forth, and I kept on bringing up points. He's like, "Well, there is that," and he did end up cutting the tree. Oh, this is a happy story, Pesh. Thank you. See, it, oh, yeah. And, and by the way, I, I hope I hope you run into that guy a year from now when Donald Trump is not president, or a year and a half from now uh, when more and more information has come out about these criminal trials because it's not going to get better. Pesh, thank you so so much for the call. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's well, a nice one. Anytime you can well, get you know, through to one of these guys and get some kind of common ground is a victory, Keith. I guess so. But again, my patience is very thin. So I don't know. If, I guess I'd had to cut that shit myself. But, you know, when he talks about when you said opposing as a public servant, you know, to not do anything, it's like, well, that's exactly like Trump. So, you know, you can only follow what you believe and that's what you believe. So what are we going to do? I again. I, I don't I don't understand it. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. But I guess I'm not a poor, disenfranchised white man. So I guess it doesn't make sense to me. That's probably by the way. By the way, Keith, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, thinks that a, a broad gag order is uh, when you pay the escort extra to make things get a little rough. Did you know that? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Have you ever had a gag order, Keith? Did you ever, did you ever have a night go wrong? 
well, honey, I don't have a problem with my gag reflex. And also, <laughs> let's go to Paul in New Jersey. Paul, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM. How's it going, guys? Hello, sir. Hey. Yeah. Hey. No, I just I want to say I want to apologize to Thea. I called Aaliyah before. I am so sorry, Thea. Hi. Okay. So what did you call? Thing. What did What did you call uh, Thea? Did you call Thea Aaliyah? Leah. Leah, yeah. Oh, just Sorry. Leah, not Thea. Okay, well, Le- Le- Leah's pretty hip. I don't know if Thea's into Star Wars like me and Chris, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure she accepted the <laughs> apology. Don't piss off Thea, man. I keep don't I keep you telling dare. you people this. I keep, t- and I keep telling you, you mouth-breathing leches, don't piss off Thea when you call to this show. It's all I'm going to say. That's it, honey. Do What's not do your- it. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. It's, it's Listen, if you had to get her name wrong, at least you call her something cool like Leah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, Paul? I mean, the one, I mean, the one thing I wanted to... I was listening to that to that audio of that guy, and yeah, if he gets if he gets elected, he will start World War Three. Yeah, I have a I have a theory about that. He will start World War Three because he thinks he can just tell somebody knock it off, and and, and people are gonna oh yeah okay let's knock it off. No, yeah. he's gonna start World War Three. I and, mean, listen, I, I think that I, there's people in Iran and Israel uh, and Hamas who would start World War Three just to keep themselves in power. Donald Trump, I have no doubt he would. Yeah, his I kids. Can, ain't gonna I, fight. I concur. Yeah. No. And and this thing with and, and this and, and I'm hating this thing about this the, the this citing you know if, if if you if you're if you're you know if you're feeling sorry for the Palestinians you hate Israel and if you side with Israel you hate the Palestinians isn't it disgusting no. isn't it disgusting mm-hmm. aren't like, people I people I know are smarter than this are falling into this trap today yeah. it's just ridiculous I mean hey let's, let's let's say it like this do we like terrorism no. Do we can we like the Palestinians? Yes. Can we like the Israelis? Yes. Do we like what the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians? No. Do we like what Hamas is doing to to the Israelis? No. Yeah, it's Done. easy. I mean, it's that, very simple. There was that one, yeah. one, one, one guy, one guy, one guy I called you a few days ago. He was like, "Is this a, a, a military action or is this a terrorism attack?" I just want you to tell him who gives a shit. I know, you know? but they're. I just want you to get, tell him that. I know, and again, like. Go strap on your rifle and go fight for yourself, asshole. You know, like like uh, those of us who yeah. have said, hey, there's been enough killing and there's going to be someone from the Palestinian side and someone from the Israeli side who are going to step forward, probably younger people, and say, all right, you old folks are going to really hate this, but we're done with your bullshit. Palestine gets to be its own state, control its own borders, and it must recognize Israel's right to exist. Israel is going to let them exactly. go, and Israel's going to know that if they ever fuck with them again, America will be there to protect, and you guys are all going to be unhappy about it, and this is how it's going to have to be, because the next generation doesn't want to live like this. Exactly. Yeah, and, and hell, even the generation before didn't want to live like this. I, I mean, know. There was a you know a, how 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 many years how, how many years have you known we we've been saying you know there'll be peace in the Middle East peace yeah. in the Middle East this has been this has been I mean I was I was barely drinking age when I freaking heard when I first heard that thing I know I know and again look Obama I mean Clinton tried even Bush tried you know but but uh, yeah. Netanyahu has not tried Netanyahu and Hamas have both tried to stay in power. They have not mm-hmm. tried to have a peaceful resolution. They've used each other to stay in power. Thank you so much for the call, man. I really appreciate it. Call up anytime. Man, Keith, it's just been brutal. It's awful. It really is awful. And and it is one of those things where you're, you're right. It's like at some point, the younger generation is going to be like, why are we doing this? What what's, What is this about? And, you know, 
historically, when you know you understand how all of this broke down, it is fucked up. It is very fucked up that you know people's lands were taken away from them, and you know the, it's it's a messed up ordeal. But again. It's not the people that are living there that made those choices. It was a whole other factor of folks that decided this and the rest of the world just went with it. And so, you you know, at at this point now, my father used to say he used to um, be a merchant marine. And so he was always, always on the water. And he would always tell me whenever he would come back from the Middle East, he'd always go, he'd say that he just didn't understand. He goes, these people have not gotten along forever. (laughs) Since the biblical days, people have not gotten along. So like for us to assume that this is going to fix it or change it or do something, or what we're seeing is, is the product of all of that craziness. I know. I know. It's just, it's just, it's it's the same, but it's the same God. They worship the same God. (laughs) Hey, but look in our country, we allegedly worship the same God and look what we do to each other here. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, it's like, it's just, it's just a prop. Religion is a prop for these people. Let's go to yep. Tim in Chicago. Tim, welcome. You're on Sirius XM with Keith. How are you doing tonight? Hi, gentlemen. Uh, so glad to be talking to you again. Mr. Price, Hi. welcome back. Always hey. Uh, so I doing? will just, John, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to correct you on please. your statements about uh, Trump and the gag order. Someone straighten me he- out, please. Yeah, do you really think he pays his escorts? <laughs> I, mean, I, think they're, I think they're the one private contractor he's afraid to stiff. No, he pays Michael Cohen to pay them oh, to say yet. they never had sex with them. Oh, great. Right. Well, that's, that's true. Yes. If you believe Donald Trump's Stormy Daniels story, then you believe he pays women he never had sex with to say they never had sex. So, yeah. Well, I have to say, uh, if I may borrow a, uh, and modify a phrase, uh, the tumultuousness going on with Trump and the uh, Republicans right now, it's porn for the angels and Morgan Freeman's narrating. Ah, I love it. Yeah, listen, Donald mm. Trump pays Donald Trump pays for sex. Sometimes it's a call girl. Sometimes it's called marriage. <laughs> but he pays. Switch. And this campaign, Keith, when I heard he was running again, I was like, oh, if only I was Melania's prenup lawyer, because, you know, she's getting right. Paid. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. kidding? Yeah. So. Mm. So anyway, to, to, Mr. Price, to, to comment on a little bit of what you were getting into about the uh, religions, and John, also what you were saying, because they're all they're both Abrahamic faith, all three of them, Abrahamic yeah. faiths, Christianity, Judaism, mm-hmm. uh, Islam. Uh, so there, I've, I've had some conversations with some right-wing friends of mine that have just re-resurrected the, uh, the nonsense that, oh, Islam, this is, you know, what's going on with the bots, that's dictated by Islam. And it's like, oh, well, first of all, no. I mean, because here's... Here's the issue, is that uh, if you just look at the fanatic Christian sects in the U.S., and like yeah. the televangelists, uh, the, the Mormons, the, uh, you know, even looking back in history, the Puritans, then you look back in medieval history and all that, like, do you think that if you put Christians in just as dire situations as some of these Islamic uh, countries are in, yeah. what, do you think, yeah. what do you think they're going to do? I mean, they're, I know they're exactly in pretty what mild they do. circumstances, and they're insane. Uh, I, mean, I know exactly what they do, because we, are, we already know what they would do. If you have yeah. poor people who are mired in ignorance and social injustice mm. and poverty, yeah. and then you bring in some charismatic religious to tell them who to blame for their suffering, I don't care if it's the Middle East or the American South with the Klan, you're going to have violence. The Klan was right. terrorism for Christian white people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, by the way, are you familiar with uh, Dan Carlin? I'm not sure. No. Okay. He he is uh, someone I think you should look into. Uh, he hosts this uh, or runs this podcast called Hardcore History. He's a journalist. Oh, yeah, by yeah, trade. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
Yes, I know Harker okay. this week. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think he'd be a great guest. He actually went on Sam Harris's podcast. I'm assuming you know who he is. Yes, I do. I believe yeah, in him. Was, you know, yes. Yeah, yeah, a neurosurgeon who thinks I did one thing right, I can do everything right. He just comes off as a blowhard. Uh, right. Anyway, there was uh, about five or six years ago, him and uh, Dan Carlin had a debate about, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things. And, and Dan Carlin, to his credit, kind of ran circles around Sam. But it's a conversation for another day. But I think Dan okay. Carlin made a really interesting point that I'd like to hear your intake on is that one of the reasons, in, in addition to uh, the – the just dire circumstances that a lot of Islamic countries are are in is that Islam right now, after the breakup of the uh, the Ottoman Empire, there really isn't the equivalent of a uh, of a Islamic pope. You know, someone to say that yeah. hey, these sects they're they're out of line. They're they're yeah. off the faith. They're off the doctrine. Correct. So, but there's no there's no one to openly condemn them or or yeah. or unite the you know the Shia the Shiites. I mean, I'm no theologian, but you know you you obviously have much better grounding on that. Than no, I it always comes down to it always comes down to uh, sects and the single church, doesn't it? Uh, and and except for the Pope, <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, grand poobahs uh, over over you know overseeing a whole religion. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. I mean I mean Russia has yeah. their patriarch for, to run their Christianity, but generally speaking, there's there's no real boss. Here. And again, you know, it's all it's so far beyond religion at this point. I mean, it's so far yeah. beyond it. I mean, I just if I, I keep saying if Allah or, or Jehovah or God wanted anybody dead, he'd fucking well smite them himself. He doesn't need us to kill for him. Exactly. Well, yeah, Tokamata. that's would say, oh, show me who to smite and they shall be smoking. <laughs> exactly right, man. Hey, thank you so much for the call. Don't be a stranger. Thank Calling you, gentlemen. Have a good one. Thank you. Keith, this is where I have to ask you, what's good on Broadway? What have you seen? Oh, my God. Well, I have seen three really great shows, two off on Broadway, one off. One of okay. them is Pearly Victorious with okay. um, Leslie Odom Jr. and mm. uh, two-time Tony nominee Carol Young. Um, really interesting revival, bringing back a show from 60 years ago. The theme to me is still kind of like, you know, we we got to wait for the good white people to help everybody out. But <laughs> I'm, I'm I, you know, it's still a nice romp, as I said. And then the other one is Zsa Zsa's African Hair Braiding Salon that's over at Manhattan Theater Club. Yes, I've seen the posters it for is, this. It is an absolute fantastic ride. A 90 minute in and out where you're basically transported to Harlem, 125th Street, one of those hair braiding salons. And I find it more like, um, remember the movie with Queen Latifah, Beauty Shop? I do. It's it's kind of like a beauty shop, but it's with African immigrants. And it's giving you a whole other side to the conversation about, you know, being an immigrant in this country, being an illegal immigrant in this country. And what does it mean when it's versus black versus white? And oh, then wow. this... This other one, oh my God, it's off Broadway, and I don't know how long it's going to run, but I think you would love it. It's called the Refuge Plays. Mm-hmm. It it's it is a three hour journey. Now you know I don't I'm not the first to be two, no three hours with two intermissions, but yeah. it is one of the most beautiful pieces of theater in which we have you know black people, black Americans, and not everybody's a slave. No one's working with, like, you know, in Pearly Victorious, this is a big conversation about the big bullwhip, whereas in this one, we're not dealing with any of that. We're just dealing with people and life and the beauty of black love and how it's it's being seen. And it is truly Nicole Ari Parker, if you know who she is from yes. the 
the new Sex in the City and all mm-hmm. the maybe she gives you one of those performances that you will never ever forget. It was just like I couldn't believe how well she was acting in this piece. It's like you know because I don't think of her as an actress like this. I think of her right. as Vanessa Williams's stepsister that could you know basically play. <laughs> the bitch you know she's the big black bitch or she can be right. the bougie black woman like i never saw the depth that she put into this role spanning three generations it is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen daniel watts who was in the tina turner musical amazing in this piece oh, nice. it's just All right so it's like but it's just been this wonderful conversation of seeing you know blacks african-americans africans on a major stage in New York City and telling stories. Although, like I said, Pearly Victorious is from 60 years ago. And, you know, the theme itself resonates today, but it still feels a little bit dated. But it's yeah. a beautiful piece. Whereas these other two pieces are just so out of the park in terms of what oh, you brilliant. get to see. So, terrific. So, you know, well, those listen, are my three big choices for this, this I, next round. I'm so excited that there's so many shows I can go blow my money on. Yep. We got to go. It's always a good day when I get to hear your voice, Keith. Thank you so much. I also want to thank uh, Reverend Barry Lynn. Thanks to the Root Pundit. And most of all, thank you to Chris Hauselt and Thea Harper, the best damn team in radio. We will be back tomorrow, guys. Keep it right here on SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.